Peter, fasting today. So uh, I guess the idea of this that you want to bring out today is once we've gone through a bit of a, a gluttonous period, you know, like Easter, Christmas, all that sort of thing, uh, it's time to sort of reset everything, isn't it? Yeah, and it is a, a rest and reset is probably mm. a good way to describe what fasting can actually be. And there's all different concepts of, of around fasting, but... The, the premise is that, you know, our body, our digestive tract particularly, uses up a lot of energy digesting food. And interestingly, the only study to ever show conclusively to increase the lifespan of a species was calorie restriction. So there's people that, that practice this concept of eating in the, in the world where in Japan, they in I think it's Okinawa, um, where the um, people regularly live to their over 100, they have this concept of only eating to your 80% full. Um, so there was this study done once. So the only thing to ever show conclusively to increase the lifespan of a species was calorie restriction. So they had two lots of rats. They had in one one case they had the normal rat food and water that the rats could eat whenever they wanted. The other lot of rats they fed them, you know, consistently um, a percentage less calories. The, the rats that ate less food lived considerably longer. And I guess other than the food, they just they had the exact same lifestyle. Yeah, each, yeah. The, same stresses, same mm. stresses you'd get living in a family of rats, I'd imagine. <laughs> or a family but, um, generally. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. So that's the concept is basically, in a nutshell, is that, you know, in the West, one of the reasons we have such trouble with, with weight, etc., and, you know, a lot of the health conditions we have is that we all eat way too much food for what we actually do. Mm. So incorporating a little bit of fasting into your weekly schedule is not a bad idea. And I guess as well because... Nowadays, food has become very trendy. We don't just eat because we have to eat. It's like we have to go and try this and try that, and it's become very much the thing to do. So I guess the idea of scaling back can't hurt us either. Absolutely. And if you think about where fasting's come from, you know, you yourself, if you're sick or unwell, you generally tend to, you're not interested in food. You know, so you tend to tend to rest, you know, is it starve starve a fever? Oh, anyway, something like that, one of those old <laughs> sayings. So the idea of fasting is basically that you periodically give your body a rest from um, from from eating and from the energy involved and that when you give your body a rest from eating, you know, there's more time the body can spend on healing and repair. I'm reading in the notes that you've provided here and it talks about, you know, after the periods of food, massive food like Christmas and Easter, you know, that's the time to do it. And it says that you and your lovely wife, Dana, go back and have a, a period of fasting after this. So you guys must be a rule barrel of laughs right after <laughs> after Christmas and Easter. Is this a way of well, just keeping your of... teenage and adult kids away? Like, no, no food, we're fasting now, go away. Well, I guess I guess it does. Like I, I one, of, one, of the, um, one of my favourite things to do where if my if I'm being off track, and we usually do this as part of it. So there's different versions of fasting. Um, the the diehardest, and and again, I guess the the um, you know the the medical legal disclaimer with this is you know do your own research and see someone professionally that can help you work out what you want to do. But there's different versions. So some the the original fast was a water fast, where basically you ate you know you drank water only and you went off food for quite a period of time. Um, and the, the benefit of, you know, the, traditionally the, the idea around this was that, you know, in conditions where there's serious health issues by fasting, it gives the body a good rest and the body has the potential then to be able to reset itself. Um, I like juice fasting. And again, juice fasting is not really fasting because you're having juice. But as part of our two-week detox that we do every year, um, I'll, I'll regularly recommend patients do a, a, a one, two, or preferably three days minimally of just 
um, vegetable juices only. And um, I find for me, when we do that every year, when we do our detox, we always do that as a middle weekend. Just having three days of juices, it does it does wondrous numerous things. Like it gives your body a good rest. If you've been having trouble getting into fat burning, it often helps to kickstart your metabolism. Um, it helps you to emotionally cut those ties with food because you know what you're eating next and you're, you're eating to be well. When you start to eat again, you, you're much more conscious of staying healthy with what you're choosing to eat. Um, I've had a patient in the past did a, a juice fast. And again, I don't recommend any try this at home unless you, you, you know, get some help to sort it out. But um, I had a, a patient one time that had um, warts and he did a, a seven-day juice fast and his warts all disappeared. Wow, just, just so, for a week of having nothing but veggie juices. Yeah, and it wasn't the veggie juices. I think it was the fact that his body was so rested from not having to digest food that he's, he could, his immune system could find where the virus was and actually get rid of it all in one fell swoop. So, you know, there's all sorts of amazing stories about people that, that fast and, you know, great health benefits from it. I guess what you're saying is that the rest of your body, like like, uh, like your brain, only has 24 hours a day, and if it's spending a lot of it digesting food, it, it's got to prioritise. It, it can't sort of go on to do those other things in the background. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there's, we'll talk a bit more in, in the next section, but there's lots of different ways to fast. And but like I know from my wife, um, if she misses breakfast, she's like a bear with a sore tooth. So um, she wouldn't be someone that could fast effectively given her current blood sugar status because if she doesn't eat on time her blood sugar drops so for her fasting wouldn't be the way to go but you know from a water fast point of view but Dana can definitely do juice fasters juice fasts uh, there are other, some other way are there other versions of fasting as well you've got the water you've got the juice is there something else in there as well or no, that's pretty, pretty much, much it? pretty much they're the two they're the mm-hmm. two most commonly known one but there's there's different ways of, of doing it like one of my pracs in the past she used to just make sure that Mondays after the weekend, she'd have a day of just vegetable juices and maybe some veggie soup um, just to give herself a break from anything she's eaten differently over the weekend. Or drank. It's all about fasting. And Claire, you've got a question for Peter about fasting this afternoon. Yeah, I'm just curious to know whether, because I've got an inflammatory, I've been diagnosed or misdiagnosed, I don't know, but um, should I be fasting when my stomach? and my colon goes berserk, or should I, like I've got conflicting, um, it would give me conflicting information. information about like having, don't have acidic things, like just, and then they say just do juices, and then they say you have to have more fiber, and I'm just curious what, how Abs- yeah, Absolutely, to- absolutely. So with, um, we were just talking in the break there, um, um, so you've got a, 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 an inflammatory bowel condition. Yeah, diverticulitis. So what diverticulitis, we all have, interestingly, as we get older, we all end up with diverticular or pockets or weaker sections in the bowel. And diverticulitis is where, depending where those pockets are, matter can get caught. And then once it's stuck in there, the only way the body can get it out is to actually mount an infection and by causing inflammation, push it back out and hopefully comes away in the, the bowel. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. So... When, you, when you've got, so a couple of things, like most of my clients with diverticulitis tendency, the most important thing seems to be to make sure the bowel's clearing, um, working as well as possible. So I'd always recommend avoiding things like seeds, um, maybe nuts yeah. unless they're you know, ground up into a paste. Like anything, if you can imagine, if you've got part of your bowel that's a bit open, 
you're more likely to get little bits and pieces like seeds and things trapped in there. They go out and sit, yeah. Yeah. So baby food. Uh, more, more, more making sure your <laughs> making sure your fibre is really good. Um, but if I'm sorry to interrupt, but if I'm having like lots of legumes and stuff, yes, is that a bad thing? No, that's that should be fine. And things like adding psyllium husk into your diet as well. Now, when you have a bout of diverticulitis, I, mm-hmm. I would I would recommend if you've actually got an active phase that fasting would actually be good for you, or at least eating light. I'm a light eater anyway, so yeah. So I think I think you've already got that a bit nailed. Like if it's playing up, you definitely want to eat light, but at the rest of times, you want to make sure that your bowels clearing really well. Yeah. Okay. Great. Does that help, does that help a little bit? It does. Yeah, it does, but I'm still, like, flummoxed because they still don't understand how diverticulitis occurs in a human being. Oh, look, it's very much like, you know when people get varicose veins? Yes. So it's a genetic weakness in the the, um, blood vessel wall. Diverticulitis is kind of the same. It's like a weakness in the bowel wall that predisposes people towards developing pockets. Thank you very much for that, Claire. And Peter, for clearing up some of that, those loose ends for Claire this afternoon. If you've got a question for Peter, 49216216 about fasting or fashion or anything else, Peter, we will have a look at it. <laughs> look, some of the benefits for fasting. Now, you're recommending or you're suggesting fasting for 16 hours a day might be the way to go. Well, there's a great there's a great way you can do it where you can sort of rest fast for 16 hours. So if you have dinner at, say, 7 o'clock, and this is a neat way for people to try fasting. Um, for years I've had patients come to see me that say, oh, I really hate breakfast. And, you know, for years we've always said, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's really important to have your breakfast set you up right here. But for some people, not having breakfast and not eating until later in the morning until they actually feel like they're ready for some food may not be a bad idea. So the idea is that after dinner of a night time, and this may be beneficial for someone like Claire as well to try something like this, is where you maybe have, just to keep the whole bowel a bit calmer, is where you have your dinner, try and eat before, say, 7 o'clock of a night time, and you don't eat breakfast then at 7 o'clock the next morning, so that's 12 hours. You might leave it, wait till, you know, 8, 9, 10, 10, 30, 11, and sort of have your first meal. You might have a cup of tea or a like a juice or something, but you might not actually have your first meal till later in the morning. So you're pretty much skipping breakfast, and we're calling it lunch, aren't we? We're Maybe kind, an early kind lunch. Kind of are, kind yeah. of are calling it an early lunch. So for some people, that works really well. Um, again, a lot of the dietitians out there would be horrified to think that we're recommending that. But for some people, particularly if they've got gut issues, that extended period of time of resting the gut is actually really good. Like they're clear-headed, their digestion feels better. Um, so in in essence, you're having two meals a day. You're having like an early lunch and then maybe a snack mid-afternoon and then maybe your dinner and then not eating again for another cycle. Now, some people find that that, like the, and so basically it's giving yourself a, a period of time where you're not eating. This gives the body time to get into what's called autophagy where the body starts to, you know, break down things itself. Like a great example of the benefits of something like this is in, say, when you're in fat burning, you know, people that have a fatty liver, the only way you get rid of a fatty liver is to actually metabolize the fat back out of the liver. So by giving yourself this period of time where you're not eating, your body's more likely to be looking for fat stores and breaking that those fats down. 
Okay, so uh, that, that's a sneaky way to do it, though. You, effectively, you're just pushing your uh, push. You have your dinner no later than seven, but you sort of push, push breakfast back to lunch. And if you can cope yeah. with it, like my, as I said, my wife um, couldn't cope with that with her blood sugar being like it is now. Mm-hmm. But um, but I can easily not eat in the morning and not eat till you know mid morning. Have some fruit or something like that, and maybe have you know an early lunch. So it's, it always comes back to working out what works best for your body. But particularly when we look at gut issues, irritable bowel, even things like diverticulitis, having this concept where you're giving your body and your gut a really good rest allows the body to do all its own housekeeping and get things a bit sorted. How does fasting go in terms of uh, sugar versus fat? Uh, Is there something there that you might be able to offer us? Well, for people that are keen to get into ketosis or fat burning, mm-hmm. um, the longer you go without eating, you're going to be using up your stored sugar glycogen in your muscles and your liver. Um, as long as your blood sugar levels don't drop and you go a bit hypoglycemic, um, this will encourage people that are keen to get more into into fat burning or ketosis. So, yeah, definitely. Mm, it's, 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 <laughs> oh. it's, look, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But if you think about it, emotionally, we're so hooked into food and emotionally we're so hooked into this pattern that we have to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like we all, we're all fading away to a block of flats, me included. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have to. For what it's, it's, worth what it's worth. worthwhile trying to look. And even, you know, there's diets around like the 5-2 diet where for two days a week you have a restricted number of calories. When we first got our, first got our dog years and years ago, the lady that we got our dog off said, you know, with dogs, you don't have to feed them every day. She said it's good to give them a fast day once a week as well where you're just giving them water because you know, they'll be, live longer and be healthier if you don't overfeed them. Mm. So it's interesting, isn't it? Every other animal nature kind of naturally has fast days, but we sort of, we get a bit stuck on, oh no, it's breakfast time, I have to eat something. I've got to say, my brain's been in two, <laughs> mi- in two modes here. We've been trying to focus on what we've been talking about. And the part of it that my mind that's been daydreaming, I've got, so I'll be catching up with some friends on Friday and Saturday, and it's like, I'm thinking about where we're going to be eating. <laughs> so I'm not making that up. Got to go, Peter. There's the door. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you next week.